0: Dan Mack is back, and this year she has sought out the best customer-centric thought leaders from around the world. Are you after practical, accessible, and customer-centric marketing? You're in the right place. Sit back and enjoy Dan's small business podcast. For more information, go to www.daniellmckinnis.com or visit www.mckinnismarketing.com.au I started
1: to have Jordan Elkin from Castoria on the podcast, and um, he's going to share with us what exciting things they've been doing with some customers. So thank you, Jordan, for joining us. I really appreciate it.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: So do you want to give us a bit of a deep dive into you and how you became entangled with Castoria and a little bit about what you do and what the company does?
0: Yeah, I would be happy to, uh, and I, I actually share some deep roots with Castora, so I'm more than happy to, to share this story there. Great. I actually went to uh, business school at the Wharton School, the University of Pennsylvania, and in my time there, I crossed paths with uh, a legendary marketing professor named Peter Fader, who's really at the, the vanguard of applying customer-level probability models to be able to predict what customers are likely to do next uh, and his research is uh, really builds on some of the iconic direct marketing literature of the, the 60's and 70's and 80's and, and pushes it a step further. In my work with him I, I became fascinated with the notion of predicting lifetime value and understanding customer churn within a retail context. After graduating from Morton, I went into an analytics position working for um, an international bank, but I I really felt like it wasn't scratching that itch. I wanted to keep playing with these customer-centric models. and fortuitously, Professor Fader, kind of out of the blue, introduced me to Corey Pearson, the, the CEO of Kostora, mentioned that kasura was a really cool software platform that was built around a lot of these customer-centric insights that he and his colleagues were, were working to bring into the mainstream of marketing practice and kind of off of the shelf of academia and into the hands of marketers. And I started chatting with um, with Corey over here at kasura and the rest was history. I fell in love with the company and what they were doing It seemed like a, a great opportunity to, to get to play with these models some more and get to begin working with some really smart marketers.
1: Oh, cool. And it, 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 you know when it just naturally fits and obviously that was a really good fit for your skill set <laughs> and interests. So, so tell us a bit about the software and, and as you mentioned maybe some success stories or what's happening in the space.
0: Absolutely. Castora is a customer-centric marketing analytics platform, and uh, you know, Den, the, the term customer-centric has almost become something of a buzzword. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, uh, we often feel the need to define it when we're talking to marketers, but what, what we really mean is that we place uh, customers, and, and what makes customers unique and different, at the center of everything we do. You know, Often times we refer to this notion of heterogeneity. You have some customers who come in and place lots of repeat purchases and engage with you across all of your marketing channels and others who tend to be one and done and you never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. And In order to communicate in the most relevant way possible, build the most profitable relationships possible with, with different segments, it's, it's important to understand what makes one pocket of customers different from another. Kostora basically um, unites disparate sources of data on customers, everything from transactional to demographic to web analytics and engagement data to create a single unified view of, of who your customers are. We help retailers identify. Who their, their most valuable customer segments are and what makes them unique and different so that they can attract more high value customers to help them build their business in the long run mm-hmm. and we enable them to kind of reach out to individual segments of customers at the right time in their life cycle to uh, cultivate and deepen customer relationships and win them back when, when they begin to show signs of fading away mm-hmm. it's uh, the Kusora software has, has evolved quite a bit, even in, in my time with the company. When we first began um, putting these insights in, in the hands of marketers, we felt certain that this was just what the marketing world had been clamoring for, and everybody had all these great ideas about how to run with, with customer-centric insights. An example is when the, when the software first began, we had a, a predictive churn detection algorithm designed to surface customers who are at risk of fading away or veering off of their typical purchase path. And we kind of assumed naturally that uh, marketers would have lots of ideas about how to take action, uh, exactly what types of messaging to to put in front of these customers. One uh, deep insight for us as a company, something we've discovered over the past few years, is that uh, we have a role to play in in guiding the conversation there. It's not always intuitive to marketers how to take advantage of these opportunities. Mm -hmm. So really, we need to um, help guide teams to a place where they're thinking about, you know, what type of message do I want to put in front of a a customer who's veering off of her typical purchase path? How do I want to communicate with different segments? And then, of course, and and I'm sure this is... uh, a problem you're, you're, you're well acquainted with, there's always the challenge of friction, you know? an insight is is not worth anything unless you can easily take action on it, and when you see those wins, being able to um, repeat and automate them. So over the past few years, we've really worked on building out the infrastructure to connect Castora to email service providers and, and other platforms where marketers can take direct action on these insights and the um the results have have been astounding we're, we're very fortunate to work with some great retail teams um such as soul society here in the u.s a very fast growing um shoe and, and accessory company based in california using castor's predictive churn detection algorithms they've consistently driven in ROI of between 5 and, and 10x just by putting the right win-back message in front of the right customer at the right time. And that direct integration with the email service provider helps make the, the process as seamless for them as thinking of an idea and then executing it.
1: Mm. It just seems like, I mean, I'm thinking about this and I'm sure for a lot of the listeners it's a bit abstract, but but um, but it seems to me like... The only way I can sort of attune it to is, is something like an Amazon experience where you go in and, and the action is, well, you might also like this or, you know, your friends have recommended X or so that you're sort of coaching along that buyer's journey. But uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. So what Costoria does is firstly gives them a dashboard of the analytics to be able to help make those decisions or choices to direct that customer journey but what you're saying now is you've now discovered even if you give them those aha opportunities that you've got a role to play in actually coming up with some of those strategies by using you know whether it's email or a touch point um to help them take action is that right
0: that's exactly right we often talk about um Ironically, big data almost returning us to an earlier stage in the the relationship between retailer and customer, Mm -hmm. something like the the old-timey vision of a a shop owner who greets you by name when you walk in in the store and is ready with a personal recommendation based on, on everything they know about you as a customer. Obviously, the, the analytics kind of understanding all the different customer types is, is important, but it's it's how you enable those relationships, the types of conversations that, that you help retailers have with their customer segments that, that, that really move the needle. And it's um, it's been very exciting for us to get to help play a role in some of the strategy around that execution.
1: Oh, absolutely. It sounds... <laughs> I, I guess the fear for me in the back of my mind is, you know, when you hear data and you you hear about segments, you know, I know that we all think and we are individuals. So I guess the fear is when you start clustering data, are you making it so automated that you lose that, you know, that intimacy that you have or that empathy for the customer that may want something different and unique? And so I guess how do you manage that within the software platform?
0: It's a great question. In fact, um, I, we would describe so much of what we do as looking to restore that, that intimacy in the relationship, that, mm. that uh, personal touch that uh, has been lost a little bit in this age of batch and blast email communications. Mm. For, for a long time, basically since the, the advent of, uh, of the web, there's been this kind of steady march towards more mass communications, ever more cluttered inboxes. You know, the, the number of uh, promotional emails that the average customer receives daily has been basically on a on a steady rise over the past, you know, five or, or ten years.
1: Yeah.
0: What, the hypo- the hypothesis that that we really work on. Um, proving out with the retailers that we work with, is that the, the type of insights that you were just describing, clustering algorithms, um, predictive churn detection, that those can help marketers talk to, to customers in a way that's more relevant. Mm-hmm. Just to choose one, one example, um, we work with a, a large, very successful daily deal site called No More Rack, based here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, as a as a daily deal provider, they're obviously managing a huge amount of inventory, and a lot of their uh, emails are, are discovery based. Customers don't necessarily know what they're they're looking for until it's time to make that actual purchase decision. But over the past year, we've really partnered closely with them to help them put in place a, a targeted uh, activation strategy for converting members to buyers, and specifically a, a win back strategy for for winning back. Uh, customers who look like they're at risk of lapsing to the point where now when an individual customer begins to show signs of, of veering off of their typical purchase path, Nomorec has the ability to target them with a, a message that speaks to the products they're likely to, to find interesting at a price point that's likely to engage them, almost restoring some of that that Uh, personal intimacy of the the old shopkeeper customer relationship as we see it Mm. so the paradoxically in a way we see the the promise of big data as uh, being that ability to restore kind of the, the lost intimacy to the customer retailer relationship but it's it's um not as it's a bit of an uphill climb, I would say. <laughs> uh, where uh, We're always looking for ways to, to move past kind of targeted, triggered messages and extend this personalization approach to even more of the day-to-day emails that the retailers are putting in front of their customers.
1: Yes, you can see how having that insight then you know, you can have more targeted and more relevant messages. How difficult is it for, let's take the example, um, No More Rack, to implement that? So they've got this software, they're getting the insights, they're maybe even coming up with more targeted communications at the right time or at the point of risk. (laughs) <laughs> so when they then go to implement that, let's say it's email or SMS or whatever platform they choose to, to take that touch point, how easy is it for them to do it? To take the
0: action. Well, we we like to think that it's it's very easy. We try to make it as as frictionless as possible because we know from uh, experience, just to, working with retailers of all sizes, that the moment you introduce friction into the process, that's when you, you lose the opportunity to act on these great nuggets of customer-centric insight. Mm. Um, I, just to I choose an example, You know, back when the, the software originally began and we were thinking that uh, retailers would be able to download lists of at-risk users and feed them into their ESPs. In practice, we saw this occurring very, very rarely. Any manual process, anything that's not instantly automatable or uh, repeatable, becomes very burdensome, especially because marketing teams are more resource strapped than, than ever these days. So, uh, all of the uh, infrastructure that we've built out is designed to be essentially plug and play. For No More Rack and, and for the other retailers that we work with, it's as simple as coming up with. A couple different versions of the creative that they want to test mm-hmm. uh, and letting Casora identify all the right users and send them these messages at the right time in their life cycle. Of course, one of the, the big challenges, uh, and certainly this is a core part of any customer centric strategy, is um this rapid test and learn cycle. Mm. We, we don't necessarily know, we have the, the best um, insights and analytics in the world, but we don't necessarily know what ideas is likely to resonate best with different segments of customers. Experimentation and controlled measured experimentation, particularly, is a core part of any customer-centric strategy. And to that end, um, beyond just the actual creation of um different creative elements or different offer strategies. Um, One of the things that we partner most closely with retailers on is is helping them understand what the data is telling them on the success of different strategies so that they can plug those in and and automate them right away. But in theory, and, and this is really what we strive for, it should be as easy for a retailer as thinking of ideas to execute and then beginning to test them right away.
1: So I'd imagine because I'm looking at the different case studies from Etsy to Threadless to, you know, there's some that, that you know, Australians would would know um, and FAB. I love FAB. That's fantastic. Like, I, I, go there all, I go there all the time. So they're obviously appealing to me. But um, what I was going to say is that, that, you know, because you're getting, you know, really well-known in retail, do you leverage across that learning from one customer to another, i.e. that you've you know you've tested certain things and that generally as a rule that works better than you know A works better than B. So for example if I was using MailChimp and, and I benchmarked um my email campaign for marketing it's another marketing they might come back to me and say well Dan this is best practice maybe you should use this does that happen or is it really just on their customers that you that you improve that um, pathway
0: yeah that's a wonderful question uh, just to, to answer that, let me back up a step. Uh, I, I'm a part of the customer insights team here at Castora. We really see ourselves as the, the execution partners. When we start working with a retailer, we're there from the, the time of the initial, initial technical integration all the way through product training, the delivery of, of recommendations and, and best practices, all the way to uh, helping them get the most value possible out of the software. But really, a core part of of what we look to bring to that relationship with retailers is exactly what you just described, and And not just the technology, but this core set of best practices that we've distilled from working with retailers, uh, hundreds of retailers spanning different verticals and and different company sizes and stages. Uh, Often when we we start a conversation with uh, a new retail partner, we we'll, we'll look to give them a sense for the the customer centric strategies that have worked most effectively for for similar retailers uh, and, and help give them a sense for for timeline. You know as with with any new strategy or tactic, there's an element of walking before you can run. So we'll typically like to start with with steps that are manageable that fit within their current, organizational structure and can help them see some some quick wins and really prove out the value of the software. One thing that's become ever more interesting as we work with larger enterprise and especially omni-channel retailers is that uh, we've discovered the importance of really customizing and tailoring those recommendations. Uh, something that works well for nine retailers out of 10 might be a total non-starter for that that last, that 10th retailer because their marketing team just isn't configured to, in a way that makes it easy for them to take advantage of, of an opportunity. So we always want to marry those best practices with a deep understanding of their organizational structure mm-hmm. and the people and processes that they have in place so that we can go in there and, and hopefully see some quick wins
1: yeah so it's a really partnership between their skill set and and that you know what what the software can actually provide them in terms of the insight which is which is nice which is showing that you're actually customer centric in your processes so that's that's kind of nice i i'm looking at um so obviously it provides uh, different sorts of analysis but One of the ones that's really topical at the moment, and I guess it doesn't really matter if you're in retail or perhaps in business-to-business, is this persona. And there's lots of talk about personas at the moment. Can you give us your take on that and how that's being used within Kostoria's analytics?
0: Well, I'm so happy you asked because personas are one of my favourite topics. Um, (laughs) It's... um, It's one of those forms of behavioral segmentation that often proves to be so magical to retailers in in understanding and unlocking the potential of their customer base. But just to to take a step back and start with the 30,000 foot view, when we begin working with retailers uh, to surface some of these these customer-centric insights, one of the questions that we're always asking are, who are the key behavioral segments? Now, uh, we we use a somewhat cheesy acronym to define what makes a good segment, which is real, Mm R-E-A-L. That is, uh, the the segmentation, the dimension on which we're segmenting should be uh, relevant. You know, it's probably not that relevant to segment on the first letter of people's last names because it doesn't have any relation to their actual purchase behavior or their likelihood of responding to, to different marketing stimuli. Efficient, meaning... You know, are we getting some good bang for our buck, or do we have 20,000 different segments out there, actionable? Meaning, is, is this actually a, an insight that we can leverage? Oftentimes, uh, you know, while there's tremendous value in complex psychographic Segmentation, for e-commerce retailers, it's not always easy for them to latch onto those insights and and actually use them to talk to customer segments in different ways. And finally, lasting, we want to zoom in on a dimension or dimensions for segmentation that are relatively stable and provide some um, continuity over time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: One of the, the facets of purchase behavior that really ticks all of these boxes constitutes a quote, real segment, <laughs> is the types of, of categories, subcategories, or brands that customers gravitate towards. And really the, the example that you gave of, of Amazon is, is a pretty good one here. What we're looking to understand is almost who are the different behavioral pockets, the different customer types, based on the, the types of things that they buy over their entire lifetime. When we work with fashion retailers, we often describe this as closet analysis, meaning if we were able to peek into the closet of every repeat buyer of uh, a fashion retailer, say Nasty Gal uh, or Daily Look, two of our uh, apparel clients, what are the most common collections of categories, subcategories, or brands that we would see in people's closets? Perhaps there's one type of shopper who really gravitates towards shoes and accessories, and another type of shopper who's really all around business attire. Mm -hmm. We really, it's almost a a form of uh, focus group analysis but we're we're letting the data surface these key affinity clusters to tell us who these personas are. Once we kind of identify the the key pockets, the the personas based on the the types of categories or subcategories that these folks gravitate towards over their lifetime, we can uh, gain some additional insight into what else makes them distinct, different, and unique. Perhaps our shoe and accessory buyers really uh, over-index on the younger end of the age spectrum. Perhaps they they tend to be acquired disproportionately through marketing vehicles like uh, Facebook and Twitter. And perhaps they live on the West Coast. All of these are the sorts of demographic Uh, variables that we can bring in to give some additional shape and color to the personas. But at the core, we're really asking the data to help us uncover groups that that have similar purchase preferences and are likely to uh, respond to uh, marketing messages in a similar way. Mm.
1: It's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's such a great time to be in marketing because if you're interested in the psychology and I guess getting down to that relationship, um, you know, with the people that you're trying to serve, then, you know, there's never been a better time because there's just so much information for you to be able to you know, provide a better service, provide, you know, how good is it that we can, you know, get information that's actually really relevant as opposed to being bombarded? I mean... It, it, it's just a much, it's, it's better all round, but I can see where some um, people feel like that's crossing the privacy line or that it's, it's almost um, taking that too far that we know too much. Does that ever enter into um, the conversation with your clients? You know, how much information is too much and, you know, should we be taking this too far?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really excellent question, and of course, data privacy concerns are top of mind for for every marketer in in the business today. And Castora, we have a pretty strong stance uh, on using only data that's provided to us by the actual retailer in question. What we're always looking to do is, you know, sift through. Uh, all of the information that you as a customer almost volunteer about yourself, the things that you're buying, what emails you open on, and try to make smarter inferences about who you are and, and how we can tailor our, our communication strategy to you as a person. But it's it's um, obviously a, a question that many retailers are focused on and should continue to be focused on. Um, as the the lines between public and private information become ever, ever more blurred. Mm,
1: absolutely. One
0: of, one of the examples, you know, you keep coming back to this uh, uh, somewhat trite example, I suppose, of restoring the, the intimacy of the the old-time relationship between retailer and customer. But one of the the new predictive models that we're just now beginning to pilot with some of our key partners is an email frequency optimizer Mm. and the the intuition is basically this even if we get the content right in every single message that we're putting in front of you as a customer dan perhaps you're just the type of shopper who doesn't like talking to us by email every day maybe you'd like to hear from us gosh i don't know once a week whenever we have new arrivals available. But the rest of the time, it's just a one-sided conversation. And if we keep battering away with daily emails, you're likely to tune out and at some point potentially unsubscribe. Yeah. If we could understand your relationship with our email communications on a deeper level, we would be able to know exactly what the right frequency of emails would be to put in front of you so that we would not just be talking to you about the topics that are most interesting to you, but really at the cadence and and the frequency that's best aligned with, uh, with your needs as a customer. That's kind of the the new model that we're um, beginning to see some fantastic results on. And I I think it really uh, latches into that concern about privacy. Basically, uh, customers are, are telling us how they want us to interact with them. They're giving us all the data that we need in order to tailor our communication strategies through a... Indicators as simple as the open or click-through or unsubscribe actions, and if we're we're just able to listen more attentively to what they're saying, we can tailor those strategies in a way that will be both respectful, uh, as well as help us establish more long-term and ultimately profitable relationships with shoppers.
1: Absolutely. I mean, isn't it interesting? We can just ask and they'll tell us. We don't have to guess. (laughs) know <laughs> <And> it's <laughs> it's a nice thing, but so many people just don't ask. Um, yeah, but to ask, it's, just, it's, it's it's almost treating me, you know, as an intelligent <laughs> human being, which I appreciate. I mean, that's the thing. You're showing that you're being helpful and concerned, and you're trying to do the right thing, and and that reciprocity comes back twofold because that's what I want.
0: Yeah, it's it's such a a great point, Dan, that, uh, you know, so much of the the signals that we're picking up on from customers, are the, these are things that they are already telling us when, you know, they're they're voting with their wallets when they decide when and, and how much to spend on our sites, mm-hmm. when they pick out a, a category, a subcategory, a brand that speaks to them. In the past, the, the mountains of data that e-commerce tracking have enabled have made it, difficult for, for retailers to sift through and make sense of uh, of all of these data points at scale. Really, the the promise of a, a software like Hasura or really any customer-centric software is being able to bring together all that data Massage it into a form that, that brings these stories to the forefront, these stories about different customer segments, who they are and what they're interested in, so that we can really listen to the signals that our own customers are giving us and respond accordingly.
1: Absolutely. I guess a question in the back of my mind is, I, I mean, this is something I've found that that business to business, when it's really listening, is almost following consumer patterns and I I think the reason that I say that is the distance sometimes between business to business and their customers is is sometimes really vast whereas I feel like the consumer retail market is a little bit more fast acting not always but it seems to be more in tune with customers you know if you look at websites or messages it's more talking to the customer it's not talking necessarily about themselves all the time it's we're talking about what the customer wants. And slowly but surely, businesses are starting to catch on and they're changing from being all about them to, surprise, surprise, let's start talking to our customers. So, <laughs> so, And I think it's the same. Look, that's the advantage of small business, that you're closer to your customer. So I guess the question I'm asking is, you know, how long do you think it will be before, um, you know, there's more... Of this sort of stuff happening in the B two B market, because it's obvious for for retail, um, because they've got that direct relationship, and they they see that with the online um, environment becoming more and more important to retailers. But with B two B, it's almost like they they sort of haven't quite caught on. But the issue is customers you know, and we know this from Forrester, you know, they can get 70 away, 70% way, seventy way through their buying cycle without even talking to a service provider or business provider because they're using all of this online to do that navigation before they even make contact. So it's becoming more and more important in that B2B world. And I just wondered your thoughts on that.
0: It's interesting occupying a... Uh somewhat uncharted territory of the, the SaaS world, by which I mean, you know, I, I described myself as being a member of the customer insights team. In other organizations, you would hear our function described as customer success, customer advocacy, customer support. In a way, although there are a, a couple of uh, really Powerful software platforms dedicated to rationalizing and, and organizing the customer success function. It's kind of the wild west of the B2B world. It's <laughs> something that's really sprung up specifically um, as, a, as a core function of the software as a service or SaaS model, where typically, you know, we we're not an on-site vendor. We are providing analytics in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to reestablish and reaffirm the value of our relationship with our customers every minute of every day and every day of the year. Uh, and a big piece of that is not just you know, surprising, delighting, and uh, delivering beyond our customers' expectations, but listening to what our customers are, are telling us. Mm-hmm. And we see a part of the reason we're called the customer insights team here at Kasora rather than customer success is that we see our function largely as helping to enable that dialogue beyond providing the the best practices that we talked about earlier and those recommendations. Mm. We're on the the front line in the trenches trying to listen to what our customers are telling us. Um, Mm. And in the the B2B world, this is a a key source of competitive advantage, Mm. Um, having that, that direct line to what the customer is is doing the pain points that they're experiencing both with your software and in the rest of their day-to-day life. The voice of our customers really guides every aspect of our, our growth strategy and our product roadmap. And we're, we're privileged to have executive leadership here at Kisora that um, that really cares passionately about bringing that voice of the marketer back to all of the planning that we do internally.
1: Yeah, that's, it's such a important thing, that listening post. And I they look, they're starting to get the message um, and I always find that they're a little bit behind <laughs> the retail <laughs> space. But the more and more that they get closer to their customers, obviously the more successful they're going to be. One thing I just wanted to sort of, I guess, touch on in, in a couple of final questions was, and the reason that I guess I really wanted to talk to you and this became so important for me was, this fantastic resource that you have on the site around um, the courses. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of the information and insight that you've got for um, either marketers or, or, or others around learning about customer centricity and, and that whole life cycle of marketing? Absolutely. When we first
0: started really beginning to dig into our marketing and sales processes, what we discovered was that there was a huge amount of interest in customer centricity in the marketing world and not a lot of understanding of necessarily what it meant or how to put it to action. It's one of those buzzwords along with predictive analytics that's on the top of of every CMO's hit list for 2014 or 2015 but we, we actually sensed from talking to some real leading marketers in, in the field that the, the whole space would benefit from uh, some simple resources about what it means to, to begin this journey uh, of becoming a customer-centric organization. And specifically, what are some of the, the actions that customer-centric marketing enables? What is it that makes it different from the way teams are already doing things today? The best way that we could really think about evangelizing this message, educating the the marketing space was by creating a a one-stop shop, so to speak, Castora U, which offers courses for marketers at, at really all levels of familiarity from beginning all the way through advanced on core topics like segmentation, customer lifetime value, cohort analysis, um, I, I believe, if we haven't rolled it out already, we're soon to have one on persona analysis, a topic near and dear to both of our hearts. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lifecycle marketing. Um, but the the intent is really to demystify customer-centric marketing, to move it past being a buzzword and give some really concrete examples of what it means in, in the real world and how companies are using it to establish deeper, more profitable, more long-lasting relationships with their customers. I've had the, the great fortune of getting to collaborate on, on some of these courses, and it's really unleashed the inner nerd in me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we we see such amazing things from our, our retail partners that getting able to, to share what they've learned with the, the broader marketing community, such as How do I use customer lifetime value to tailor my search engine marketing, my SEM strategy? Or how do I use it to uh, determine my commission rates for different affiliate partners within a particular network? Getting able to share the the fantastic cutting edge work that they're doing is, uh, is really an exciting opportunity.
1: Well, for me, it's just another way of you showing that you're, you know, eating your own dog food (laughs) and, you know, you really are providing that um, go-to advice for all things around this, which is fantastic. And I've I've gone through and had a look at a lot of the information and it's just awesome. And, you know, I seek this out day and night, so it's a fantastic resource for people to... um, to use and utilize and also shows the value of what you're doing. So that's that's awesome. I just wanted to ask you in closing and I ask all my guests this is there anything that you're reading or anyone that's influencing your thinking at the moment um in terms of you know stuff that you're learning? Anything you've come across that you thought, gee, that's really good?
0: Yeah, that's that's a wonderful question. And I I, I know I'm a little bit biased on this, front, but especially the, the, the more we work with complex enterprise retailers, especially omnichannel retailers, we've begun to um, appreciate some of the, the deep organizational challenges in getting marketing teams aligned around this vision of customer centricity, being able to communicate what it is and why it matters in simple terms that are easy to to basically sell all the way up to the C-suite is is more essential than ever. And the one Bible for for our team really required reading for any member of the Customer Insights group here is actually a work by Professor Peter Fader, um, the kind of luminary in in the world of customer-centric predictive analytics that I was mentioning from the Wharton School. And the title of the, the book is Customer Centricity. And it's just a fantastic primer on uh, some of the the economic and social forces that have um, moved us to a place where product centricity is no longer an adequate strategy at maintaining competitive advantage in today's fast-moving and e-commerce-centric world. Uh, And he provides some really compelling case studies for organizations, organizations, I think Harris and uh, is this really the one that comes to mind? Tesco in the UK organizations that have transformed their strategy um, and and really catapulted their growth by focusing on high value customer segments and how they can align their product and service delivery around those pockets of, of loyal customers. It's a fantastic read and and one that is. Uh, and every member of the custora team is uh, is always consulting for for guidance.
1: Oh, awesome! Well, thank you. I'll add that to the notes so people can look that up. Um, and I've read a lot of Peter's stuff. It's it, it, you're right. I mean, he's on the money when when it comes to this stuff, and has a really um, interesting viewpoint on it. So so thanks for for highlighting that. Um, I really appreciate your time, Jordan, and it's just like, well, it's totally fascinating for me and frankly I don't really care about anyone else in terms of I'm sure that they will enjoy this um, podcast and learning more about um, Castoria. Is there um, any way that's best for people if they want to connect with you? What's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yes, I um, would... I, I always love to connect to, to marketers, folks with an interest in customer-centric marketing, uh, just to keep these fascinating conversations going. The best way to reach me is by email. My email address is jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at Custora, C-U-S-T-O-R-A, dot com.
1: Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time again. I really appreciate it. And um, It's my pleasure. It's been great having you on.
0: Thank you so much, Dan. Great to connect and uh, look forward to being in touch again, you. Hey, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast. For more great marketing tips, go to Dan's blog at www.daniellemcginnis.com and sign up for her marketing tips or visit her website at www.mcginnismarketing.com.au.
1: Catch you next time.